Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 17. Um, last week we started a little mini series. I believe we're we're done today with this series, and uh, I called it "We Got Next." And essentially, last week I talked to you guys about when I first came here, and I went to a, a basketball gym, and I and nobody wanted to pick me up, and until they actually saw me shoot a little bit, and then and then I had next, and we played, and it was fun, and that's great. And whenever you go to, especially basketball, and you're playing somewhere, and, and you got next, it's it's always good to have next because you're about to get in the game, and you don't have to wait very long. But what's better is when you go to a gym and you have next with your squad, with your team. Like, like if we fast forward a couple years after that first time I went to the gym, there was another time where this church was having open gym and a couple guys at our church were like, hey, let's go over there, but let's bring our own team. And we had five guys. We all went to that church. We showed up. We had next together. And when we had next together, y'all know we played for like two hours and didn't lose a game. Like, we, we, we dominated. Like, we just played until we were too tired to keep playing. That was the only way that we got off. And it was because, like, we didn't just come individually and say, we got next. Like, we came together as a team. We were stacked. We knew you rebound, you play defense, you screen for pastor, you pass it to pastor, and y'all let pa- No, no. <laughs> that was a little bit true, but not, not all the way true. <laughs> but, but, man, it was so much more fun to get next whenever you have your team with you. And I feel like right now, this is a time, this is a season where God is not just saying that we have next, but we, we're, we have next with a squad. We have next with our team. Like Jesus has put us here in this time for this purpose, in this season, to fulfill everything that he's asked us to do. And so it's not just us by ourselves. It's us with a team. We have a squad. We all have a part to play. We all have uh, positions and functions within this time and this season within this body, and ultimately Jesus is with us, so we cannot lose. So we don't just have next, we have next with our squad. And, and we have to understand a few things about this game before we continue on and get to, to the meat of what we're going to talk about this morning. And the first is this game, the Bible doesn't really talk in terms of like basketball and going to a gym and having next, right? But one thing that if you'll study theology that you'll learn about is this thing called dispensation. And dispensation is essentially, the very simplified version of dispensation is essentially periods of time that God carves out that, that he actually operates a little bit differently with us in different periods of time. He relates to us a little bit differently in different periods of time. So, for example, before Adam and Eve sinned, when they were in the garden, God related to them, he connected with them one way. After Jesus died and rose again and the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of us, he operates with us in a little bit different way. There's different dispensations. There's different periods of time. Now, that's a very simplified version of what dispensations are, but we have to recognize that we are in a dispensation. We are in a period of time where God relates to us in a certain way. And how does he relate to us? He relates to us by the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. He relates to our 
spirit. He speaks to us on the inside of us, with our spirit, by our spirit, through our spirit. He, he leads us and guides us through our spirit. Uh, he even corrects us through our spirit. And so this is a dispensation. This is a period of time that the Old Testament, when we read about in the Old Testament, the, these guys and ladies that we read about in the Old Testament, they didn't live in this dispensation. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them, leading them and talking to them in this way. They couldn't go to God and, and be forgiven of their sins through confession and repentance the way that we can in this dispensation. This dispensation, this period of time is not just a dispensation. Well, here's what I'm telling you. It's a, it's a game. It's game time. This is, a, this is a game time where we can learn from, like we did last week, the five things that we can learn from the disciples. But essentially, the disciples were living in a different dispensation up until the end of our, our, the sermon last week. And if you didn't hear that last week, you can go back and listen to that on our podcast or on our YouTube channel or Facebook. But we ended last week with the Holy Spirit coming the day of Pentecost, which started a new dispensation, which started a new game. And now we are living in this new game. And so this is really intimidating because now we could go into a whole like deep theological uh, 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 study that we don't have time for because the Falcons are about to beat the Cowboys in about 39 minutes. So, so, so we don't have time to go into some deep theological full study of the New Testament. And I knew that we wouldn't have time. And so I'm this week, I was praying like, God, how do how do we, like, what do we do with this? Like, there's so much that we could learn about how to play this game in this dispensation, in this time. And, and the Lord reminded me of John chapter 17. And I, I wanna read to you just a couple verses here, but I, I'd encourage you to go back and read this whole chapter. I love this chapter. Jesus here is praying right before he's captured and crucified. And you'll read, uh, uh, there's one theme throughout this entire prayer. And you think about the prayer that he prayed right before he was captured and crucified. This is so important. And there's one theme that runs throughout this entire chapter. And that is God's desire for us to be unified. I mean, it is clear as day through this chapter. Honestly, if you study it out, it's clear as day from Genesis to Revelation. But here, Jesus is really emphasizing, and if you, if you read the first um, 19 verses, I'd, I'd encourage you to do that. Jesus is praying really uh, for the people that are in the game at that time, for that dispensation. But then we get to verse 20, and he says, I do not ask for these only, meaning those people uh, that essentially were Old Testament, or the people that were with him right then and there. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's, he's praying, now he's gonna pray not just for those who were in the game that's finished, he's praying for those who have next. He's praying for us, he's praying for you and I. Everybody who would believe in Jesus because of the word of the disciples. He already prayed for the disciples and he's saying the disciples are gonna go out, they're gonna spread the gospel and now all of us who are gonna hear that, all of us are gonna get in this game through them, he's about to pray for us. And then he says, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
Here, Jesus is, is praying for us, just like he did for the disciples, that we would be unified. Now, we've talked about this a lot here at Faith for Life. This is, this is key. This is a core principle to who God wants us to be. He wants us to be one with each other. First of all, he wants us to be one with him and then one with each other. We also read this when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment, right? And he says, love God with everything that you have. He says, and there's another one that's just like it. It is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so if we're talking about how do we play this game in this dispensation that God has placed each of us into, first of all, it comes down to love. It comes down to love. We have to love God first and foremost. That has to be the foundation of who we are, what we do. It has to be the foundation of every response that we have, every action we take, every word that we speak. It has to be a, a, a love for God. And then he says, secondarily, love for each other. Now this love that we all should possess and we should all exhibit should lead to unity, should lead to fulfilling what Jesus prayed here in John chapter 17. Our love shouldn't be a love that leads to us being right and us stomping our, our hands and our feet and our fists and, and just proving that we're right. Our love shouldn't be something that causes death and destruction and division. Our love should be a love that brings unity. Now, in that unity, there will be some division. And I know that sounds like it's an oxymoron, like that doesn't really make sense. But Jesus clearly divided. He just didn't divide in the same way that we are dividing today. He, he didn't divide based on race or ethnicity. He didn't divide based on class. He, he divided based on kingdom of darkness or kingdom of light. That's how he divided. And the true unity, you can't have true unity if there is no division. And I know, you got you to stay with me for a minute. If we are to be unified, but we're not actually um, uh, authentically unified, meaning we just have this superficial unity, then, then we're not really loving. That love is not really leading to a, a, a real unity. Now, let me say it to you a different way. If I, if I love my wife, but I never tell her the hard truths, <laughs> then I do I really love her? Let me, let me make it a little more, let's see if y'all wake up. If, you, if, you, if your best friend has something hanging out of their nose and you're out in public, pre-mask, pre-mask, right? Because now it doesn't really matter. Like, like are, you, uh, are you really a friend? Do you really love them if you don't say anything? But most of the time, we don't say anything out of love, out of unity. You may put different adjectives on there. But in actuality, that's not real. Because if you really love them, then there would be a unity at, at the possibility of some division, of some conflict. See, we win this game that God has put us in by loving in a way that leads to unity. Now, unity is not sameness. Unity is alignment. So we don't have to agree on everything. Listen, it is okay for Christians not to agree on everything. There are certain things that we have to agree upon in order to call ourselves Christians. Jesus, Jesus came, Jesus lived a sinless life, he died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins, he rose again on the third day, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us as believers. Like we, if, we don't believe, if we don't agree on that, then, then there's division that has to be there. 
But if we agree on Jesus, we agree on the way of salvation, we agree on him being our savior and our Lord and our king, you know, I don't know about you, but there's things that I believe today that I didn't believe 10 years ago. (laughs) I would like to think I've learned, I've grown, I've developed. So if we say here is the foundation, I believe in Jesus and you believe in Jesus, but I cannot, like, like I can't associate with you in any way because you don't believe exactly like I believe on these other minor issues, then, then we're, we're, we're not loving in a way that brings unity. We're probably trying to love in a way that's out of pride. That, that's probably what we're doing. But whatever we're doing, it's not leading to unity because unity says, you believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, we're on the same team. We're on this stacked team that's in the game. We got next, it's time for us to play. And I may not agree with you there, I may not agree with you there, but I agree with you here, and I'm willing to align here, not there, but here, so that we can do what God has called us to do, so that we can be his hands and feet, so that we can be unified and be one to show the world that Jesus is who God God says that he is. Like it's way bigger than you being right and you having all this revelation, you having all this understanding. This first love that we have to have is unity with God. It is not just the greatest commandment, but it is also God's desire for us to love him in such a way that it aligns us not just with him, but also with each other. Our desire for God's kingdom has to be greater than our desire for anything else. Because if your desire for anything other than God's kingdom is greater than your desire for God's kingdom, I can tell you this. You will not have God's unity. You will not have God's alignment. It just, it's not possible. Because there is too much division. There is too much confusion. There are too many uh, different ways not just to get to heaven that people believe, but just living our lives. You will not have alignment if you desire things that this world can provide above God's kingdom. Our agreement about Jesus has to be greater than our disagreement about anything else. I can love you as a brother in Christ and disagree with your politics. I can love you as a brother in Christ and disagree with some of your theology. You may not believe that Jesus can heal. And you know what? You can still be my brother. I can still love you. We can still be in alignment. But I'm not coming to you when I'm sick or when I'm hurting. (laughs) And that's okay. (laughs) Like, that's okay. The truth of the matter is, you might actually come to me when you're hurting And I'm okay with that too. I'm not going to say, here is, yes, we believe in Jesus and that's most important, but we don't believe in these other things and so I cannot align with you in any way. I cannot have unity with you in any way because I'm valuing something other than the main thing. You gotta keep the main things the main things. No matter what we disagree about here on this earth, it's temporary. The more important and eternal thing is our faith in Jesus. Now this doesn't, I I get it. This can be very difficult, especially every four years from about August to November. I get that. I understand that. Like election years, 
You know, I've seen so many people. I, I was reading something uh, yesterday that was like, hey, the, they, they kind of went back and forth on social media, and the guy was like, hey, I really just wanted to test and see where you were at uh, because so many of my Christian friends have become so, um, I, I don't even remember the terminology, but, but basically he was just trusting to see should he have to, you know, can't, uh, unfriend this person and block this person. And, and they're both believers, and, and it's because they're ones on one side of the political spectrum, one's on the other. And, and, and I understand that, and here, here's what, I've said this many times, and I'll continue to say this, at least until November 4th, or that's the date, right, November 4th. It's like, if you have to do that for your own uh, peace, your own sanity, then take, you, you gotta put your mask on before you put somebody else's mask on. You help them put their mask on, right? So you gotta do that. But otherwise, why are we canceling people? Why are we blocking people? Why are we unfriending people? Especially other believers. Like what I want on my timeline, I want people that believe this way and believe that way. I want believers and unbelievers. And maybe I just have a different view of this, but, but why do I want that? The same reason I want those relationships in my life. If my relationships in my life are only believers who believe exactly like I believe, then who am I reaching? What, 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 I, 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 what? I'm glad I don't believe everything and I don't, I don't think the same way that I believed 10 years ago that, that God has developed and grown and, and shown me some things. And you know what? If nobody ever reaches back and helps after they've done that, like what, what good is that? We have to remember our purpose is always tied up in other people. It's no matter what you're called to do, it's tied up in people. And the moment that we start uh, devaluing people, we're getting outside of God's, God's plan. I get it though, this is not easy. This is not easy. This reminded me of uh, uh, Paul. And Paul faced some conflicts. And, and I wanna take you through three of them really quickly uh, for us to learn some things from Paul about how we play this game, how we can love that leads to unity. In Acts chapter nine, um, go to Acts chapter nine if you have your Bibles. You, you can read Acts chapter nine. Uh, Paul here is actually called Saul and he is going to, to go kill Christians. He's going to find Christians and, and have them murdered or imprisoned. And many of you all have heard this story, but he's on the way and God shows up and knocks him off his donkey and shines this light. And there's this whole, it's amazing experience. And so Saul has these uh, things like scales fall from his eyes and he, he comes up, he gives his life to Christ, he gets baptized. And, and then uh, in verse 20, it says that he immediately proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God. So he immediately starts preaching Jesus. He immediately goes from somebody who is trying to kill Christians to not just being a Christian, but trying to make as many other people as Christian as possible. And so, um, so he's doing that and uh, then all of a sudden there are these Jewish people in Damascus where he was and, the, and they heard him preaching about Jesus and so they wanted to kill him and so he escapes and then we pick up in verse 26. It says, and when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Now this is really, this is really, really good, right? Like Saul, 
at this point. He'd not yet been named Paul here in the scriptures, but he, he, he has this group that he's associated with that is anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-Christian. And all of a sudden, he, he gives his life to God and has this dramatic experience. And now, when he wants to join with the Christians, the disciples, they reject him. They, they, they don't accept him. They don't understand. They are afraid of him because of his past. And honestly, like rightfully so. Like, like this would have been the easiest uh, uh, trick in the book is like, hey, yeah, now I'm one of you. Where are y'all at? Where are y'all at? Like, let, let me in. Yeah, no, you're just going to kill us. You're just going to cap. Like, of course not. Like, we have to be, let's be wise here. But they didn't understand. They didn't accept him. They were even afraid of, of him. But it did not stop him from loving and doing what God had called him to do. What we don't read in here is that the disciples, they were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple and so Saul cussed them all out. And so Saul was like, forget y'all. Don't y'all know who I am? I'm about to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Don't you know that God, the same way God saved you, he saved me? Like, you, you, you're, you're an imbecile. You're an idiot. Like, we don't, we don't read him doing that. Now today... I want you to scroll down your social media feed, see if you can find any Christians doing that, belittling, mocking, demeaning, devaluing, because others don't accept or understand what God has called you to do. Where, where is your love walk whenever people don't accept you or understand where you're coming from, or understand your walk with the Lord. There's so much in this that, that we don't really have time right now, but, but I mean, I, I love this, and you guys have heard me talk about this before, but then there's, there's Barnabas, right, who Barnabas steps in, and Barnabas vouches for Saul. And the disciples are like, okay, we're, we'll go off Barnabas's word. And man, that's so good, because we all need a Barnabas. You've heard me say this. And we all need to be a Barnabas. Like, who are we vouching for? Hey, like last election cycle, they were this political group. But this election cycle, they're this political group. And now they're, no. Like, are they a Christian? Let's start there. Because if we can't agree on Jesus, then we don't need to be talking about politics. We don't need to be talking about anything else because until we can agree on Jesus, until we can agree on the main thing, until we can agree on the foundation, we're not on the same team. One is in light and one is in darkness. In order for us to win this game, this dispensation that God has placed us in, we have to be willing to love and do what God tells us to do, even if we are not loved back. I would say it this way especially if we are not loved back. Which is why when somebody disagrees with you in that very moment and they don't understand or even they're afraid, in that very moment is the most powerful moment that you may ever have in that relationship with them. It may be a very part of the purpose that God has called you to and how you respond because they're used to how everybody else responds. They're used to being called names and mocked and devalued, but how are we gonna respond? 
Are we gonna respond in the same way? If so, what kind of love do we really have? When we go over to Acts chapter 15, we see another disagreement that Paul's in. And this time it's with Paul and Barnabas. In verse 36 it says, and after some days Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So, so a little context here. Um, after Acts chapter nine, you have Paul and Barnabas. They go and they go into different areas and they essentially establish churches. And Paul's like, hey, let's go back and let's, let's check up on these people and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So in one of these works, Paul and Barnabas uh, brought John Mark. And, and John Mark, essentially, uh, he, he quit. He didn't finish the job. He wasn't willing to do what needed to be done. And so he left. He left them high and dry. And, and, and I, I've said it this way, like he punked out. And so now... Barnabas is like, let's bring him along again. Like, let's give him another chance. Seems like the Christian thing to do. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn them from, drawn, withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So Barnabas was like, let's give him another chance. Let's bring him with us. And Paul was like, no, that's not best. Now, is this a heaven or hell issue? No. But Paul is like, nope. I'm not giving that guy another chance. I'm not willing to go do this dangerous, important work with somebody that I can't trust. And Barnabas is like, I'm willing to. I'm willing to give another chance. I can't believe that maybe Barnabas said it. Maybe it's just not written here. But I, if I was Barnabas, I'd have been like, hey, Paul, um, uh, God gave you a second chance. If I remember correctly, I'm the one who vouched for you to get a second chance. Like you wouldn't even be, none of this would have happened without me giving you another chance. I, honestly, like biblically, I think Barnabas is right here. I'm not, I mean, you know, it doesn't say Holy Spirit told Paul, Holy Spirit refused. It doesn't say, if it says that, then that, that trumps everything. But without that, like biblically, we should give John Mark second chances. Now, maybe we don't give him the same access, like depending on, I, I got all that. I'm not, but, but I think, I mean, just from what we read here, Barnabas is probably right. Paul is probably wrong. I'm not saying that's Bible. I'm just giving you opinion. It says this, and there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. <laughs> so we don't really know much about Barnabas and Mark after this. We know a lot about Paul and Silas. Since so it's difficult to, to, to reconcile theologically, like it looks like Barnabas was right, but then after that, we hear God using Paul and Silas way more. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Listen, here's what we do with it. We love to a place of unity. And sometimes, whenever there's a disagreement, you have to separate and still be unified. 
And here's how you're unified. You're unified under Jesus. You're unified under what he's called you to do. You're unified by not hating and demeaning and mocking Barnabas and Mark. It's simply saying like, look, I don't trust the guy. I'm not willing to do it. I don't think that's best. And so I'm going to go another way. And that's okay too. Sometimes we believe that just because we are connected with somebody, there's some relationship that has to be forever. Some relationships are only for a season. Some relationships are only for a reason. And then there are some that are for a lifetime, and that's okay. And just because you separate doesn't mean that you're causing division. doesn't mean that you are doing the devil's work. It doesn't mean any of that. Sometimes God has a reason or a season for a connection, and then there is a time for separation. And sometimes that means there's a separation because you missed it. And that's okay. As long as you keep your heart turned towards God and soft, there's always time for repentance. And God can always restore and redeem what was lost through that separation. I, I don't know for sure who was right and who was wrong, but here's what I know for sure. They didn't demean each other. They didn't mock each other. They didn't devalue each other. They simply went their other ways and continued to do what God had called them to do. And we have every reason to believe that they continued to love and stay unified at least Barnabas up until a point, and there's another point which actually we want to get to in Galatians chapter two. Uh, let, let me read this to you. Here's the third, third one. So even if you disagree, we have a responsibility to love to a place of unity, and sometimes that even means separation. Galatians chapter two, um, let me read in verse 11. It says, but when Cephas, who was Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So here Paul is telling us about a time where he goes at Peter and he is direct with Peter because Peter was wrong. Peter was wrong. See, a love that leads to unity doesn't mean a love that never confronts. It doesn't mean a love that, that hides the truth. It doesn't mean a soft, passive love that allows you to continue to go on and be wrong. Again, a true love is a love that will be honest and forthright, speak full of truth while also being full of grace. A, 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 a true love that leads to unity, it doesn't demean, it doesn't devalue, it doesn't call names, it doesn't, it doesn't do any of that, but it is willing to say right is right and wrong is wrong. It is willing to stand on the truth because Jesus, our foundation, the, the, the thing that helps all of this and puts all of this together is the way, the truth, and the life. To compromise the truth is to compromise Jesus. Even if Peter is wrong, Paul doesn't demean him, doesn't degrade him, doesn't devalue him, doesn't mock him. He continues to love and he loves to a place of unity, full of grace and truth. Now, this is, this is, this is really tough. 
when you believe that you know that somebody is wrong. Not just that you disagree, not there's some misunderstanding, or it's not, like they're wrong. Like they're wrong. Can you, can you love a believer, especially, who is wrong? Who is wrong politically, whatever you think that is. Who maybe even is wrong in, in some of their, their biblical application. Because, like, this is how we win the game. In this dispensation that we're in, th this is our job. It's to love God with everything we have, love our neighbor as ourselves, and a love that leads to unity. Are, are we willing, are we able to have the strength and the spiritual toughness to love somebody on the other side? What about somebody who's vocal on the other side? Because one thing, you know, election years, you start to learn where people are more so than you did the previous three and a half years or where they stand in different areas and different statements. You know, with everything that's happened along, you know, race and, and police and all that recently, you start to also see where people stand a little more. Um, and some people aren't in this room today because they've found out where I stood. <laughs> and and, and uh, uh, it's just... Can you still love? Can you still love once they become vocal about where they where they stand and you disagree? Now, this is where it gets really hard. And, and I wanted to show this video. We showed it online, but we don't we don't have a way yet to show it here. Hopefully in the next couple weeks we will. But there's this video of Martin Luther King uh, giving a speech where, where he talks about if you come bomb our churches. If you come bomb my home, if you come, you know, beat us and spit on us, we will still love you. Man. So it's easy to sit in here and say, yes, I love, I love God, I love people. Really? Because again, when I go down my social media, and, and I, I'm, I'm saying social media because just with all the corona stuff, I haven't had a chance to be interactive with so many people, like sitting in front of people, but like social media is where people are talking right now. And, and, and we, can't even, we can't even get past your, your pro-life and your pro-choice, and now we gotta call each other names. You, you think police brutality is an issue, and you think it's not, and so we gotta call each other names? Like, you're Republican, you're Democrat, and we gotta call each other names. Like, what are we doing? You want me to tell you what we're doing? We're allowing Satan to win this game that we're supposed to be playing. That's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. Offense is the arch enemy of unity, and pride is the fuel of offense. Really, what this comes down to is we're, we're in pride. We're not very humble because if we would humble ourselves, man, 
If I, if I humble myself and I fully trust in the foundation of Jesus, like Jesus, I think they're wrong. There's a disagreement. I may have to go a separate way. That's okay, but I need to be able to love them. I need to be able to pray for them. Because listen, here's the, here's the truth. Once you categorize them as the other side, once you categorize them as evil, once you categorize them as wrong, then you start to put them in a category that, that you might not say this, but here's what you really believe, is they're the enemy. And that's okay, that's okay. You know why? Because the Bible tells us what to do with enemies. <laughs> if you're a believer, you know what the Bible tells you? Pray for them, do good to them. Uh, uh, it, it, like, like it, it's clear. It is clear. So no matter what category you put them in, you have a responsibility in this game to give that to Jesus, to love them, to fully trust and focus on Jesus. And listen, sometimes that focus has to be tight on Jesus because I, I, I know there's been some times where people have said some things or done some things and it's like everything, like I've typed 50, 15 responses that I just got to delete because nope, that's not a focus on Jesus. That's not in love. That's, that's, that's in pride because I want them to know how wrong they are. I want them to know this. I want them to know, like, no, 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 no. I am going to humble myself and fully trust in the Lord and to be committed to him and immersed in him. That Listen, I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I don't have to prove to you that you're wrong. Jesus is the one who changes hearts and changes minds, not me, and definitely not my cell phone or my keyboard. And then we have to be professional forgivers. <laughs> Some of the people that aren't here today, it's, they, they think I'm absolutely wrong, and, and I'm okay with that, but there's not, there's not a level of forgiveness and I'm not judging, I'm not, I'm not even telling you who they are, that's fine. I'm just saying, for us, like we have to be professional forgivers. Because if you've been married any amount of time, you already know. Like if you can't forgive, you can't have any meaningful relationship for any meaningful amount of time. Like, it's just not possible. And how often are we supposed to forgive? It's not 490 times. 70 times seven, right? That was what that was, 70 times. No, it's consistently, it's repeatedly, it's as many times as you need to. It's a number of completion. Let me close with this. Matthew chapter 18, let me just read a, a few verses. Jesus says this in verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. How often are we doing that? Me and you disagree? Can we talk about it? Some of, some of that has happened. And man, I've been so appreciative of people, especially online, that's like, hey, pastor, I, I disagree with this. i do not sure about that. And if we can both humbly talk, then we don't even have to agree about everything. Because we're not talking about heaven or hell. We're talking about temporary things that we're passionate about, that we believe the Bible speaks about. And we, we, can, we can come to an understanding without an agreement. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him. I would say this, go and tell him humbly. If he listens, you've gained a brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. Now, if you take one or two others along with you, then that's the assumption that, that now all three of you believe that this other person is wrong. 
that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So now you have not just one person who thinks that you're wrong, you have at least three people who think that you're wrong going to you. It says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Now, telling it to the church, this is where hardly anybody does this anymore. But you tell it to the church, now all of a sudden, this is implying that the church is in agreement that, that, that you're wrong. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Meaning, he's no longer in the game with you. He's no longer on your team. Now, you don't see many churches doing this anymore. But this is still a love that leads to unity because it leads to a unity with God first. And that unity is the most important unity. Again, when, when Paul and Barnabas separated, they were still unified with God. They were still both going to do what God had called them to do. And that was okay. But this is the outline. It's clear. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. How often do we use that? Because I hear Christians all the time. So-and-so did this and so-and-so. Can you believe da-da-da-da-da? Have you talked to them? Well, no. Why would I do? I, I blocked them. I canceled them. I unfriended. Where'd you get that from? You didn't get it from here. Our team is stacked because Jesus is on our team. And it's time for us to play. It is our time to play. Right now, it's game time. It is our game time. The power of getting into this game right now is to love in a way that produces unity. And that'll bring earthly victory. That'll bring eternal victory. Um, those in this world, that, that they can earn a lot of money. They can accomplish a lot of things. They can gain a lot of knowledge. But you know what they haven't seen and what they haven't been able to do? They haven't been able to love in spite of disagreement, in spite of error, in spite of harm. One of the reasons that Martin Luther King is so revered today, more today than when he was actually alive, <laughs> is because of this supernatural ability to love in the face of hatred. What would happen if we actually fulfilled what Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17? where we loved, no matter what, to a place of unity. I can tell you this, it'll benefit God's kingdom, but it'll also benefit you because you'll live in a place of peace and joy like you've never experienced before. Because there's a peace with being able to speak the truth and leave the results up to God. There's a peace with not carrying around hatred in your heart. There, there's, a, there's a peace, there's a freedom in being free from what other people think of you. Because what we didn't read about Paul was when they didn't agree, when they didn't accept, or when they, they, they even were afraid, or, or, or any of those scenarios, we didn't read about him stopping what God had called him to do. He continued to love God first and be unified with God first and do what God had called him to do. And that is what we need to do. That's how we win this game. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. 
Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast. 